0: You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Tiff welcome to Spark TV. Hey
1: girl how are you?
0: I'm so good even better now that we have hit record and we're going to get into all the juicy biz chats. (laughs) Can't wait thanks for having me. Of course anytime. I feel like it's been so long since we've spoken so super excited to catch up. Yeah agreed. Time's just flying by at the moment it's just not good not good at all. So, why don't we start with uh, the way we always start this podcast, okay. um, which is just who are you and what do you do?
1: Okay. Uh, Tiffany English. I uh, go by Tiff most of the time. I, at the moment, am spending most of my time in access offshoring. So, we're an offshore recruitment company specializing predominantly in finance roles, but we do a lot of admin, accounts, marketing, et cetera. So, that's where I'm spending most of my time right now, but I also have a consulting firm that specializes in software. Implementation in trades and construction, um, and I've spent most of my career in kind of that business improvement space.
0: Amazing! So, yeah. so obviously, you know, running your own business. Have you had other businesses in the past? Was there a career? Are, were you from finance, like or recruitment? Mm. Like, how did we Good get? Question.
1: Here? Wow, <laughs> this where? How do we get here? This has been quite the journey. I did. I went to uni and did a <laughs> double degree in marketing and PR. Oh, I actually started, cool. as, I started doing accounting and thought I'm way too loud for this classroom. Um, <laughs> so I swapped and then I went back and finished accounting. Oh, wow. Um, so you've got never, like lots of study under your belt. Yeah. And then I, um, I did do an MBA a little later as well. So I did wow. did all of that pretty much before, before I was 26, I got oh, all my that under- on. But wow. I started work really early. I started my first business when I was probably 17, maybe earlier. I mean, you if you can count selling sandwiches on, on the down low in the <laughs> locker rooms at school. Um, yes, I, started I do. Early. Count that. I started early. And, um, that is so
0: funny. I love it. That's like <laughs> the
1: modern day equivalent to a lemonade stand, right? Yeah. I bought my own toasting machine and I would like bring all Stop my bread it. and I'd actually just toast it and be like, who wants a toasted sandwich for way less than the canteen? Yes. <laughs> so probably, yes. I've making some good money out of that. Um,
0: oh my God, that's so
1: funny. That's probably where I started. And then, yeah, I started an a, events business in Perth for a little while, which was kind of like, you know, looking back, I was so naive and little, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. um, I had a lingerie store in Perth for a couple of oh, years. That's um, cool. Mm, that was cool. Enjoyed that a lot. So we had a yeah. shop front. We used to do parties. Um, and then moved to Queensland, moved to Melbourne first and moved to Queensland and started my consulting firm first and then it kind of evolved and the offshoring business was next and who knows.
0: Hang on a second. How did you go from retail (laughs) lingerie Mm. to a software consultant? Good question. So (laughs) I had, um,
1: so I was working a lot. So I, once I finished uni, I started in a door manufacturing company actually so we did Uh building products predominantly doors Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started in there and then I ended up working for a plumbing hydraulics company um, in a general manager position and so we implemented software we hired people I made myself redundant and then I um, basically went through trades businesses Mm -hmm. as a a consultant but most of the time they would bring me on the books and I would spend 12 to 18 months and I would implement software and I've just I have a real knack for what's going really slowly in this yeah. process, right? Like this isn't fast enough for my ADD brain. Oh, my God. Who and- you, impatience would be a skill set that you'd take? <laughs> totally. It's totally. And so kind of started from that. And so when I got to Queensland, I actually worked for Riviera. Oh, cool. Um, for a while, which was awesome. But I, I did the same for them, you know, built up their service division, implemented software. And then once I finished my MBA, I thought, well, the only, I've got to recoup some of this money. Maybe I'll go out on my own. Mm. So it's, that's kind of how it started. So I loved implementing software. I loved the idea of looking how, at how a business flowed mm. and when, okay, we could actually implement some software to make this far more streamlined. And then the other portion of that was making sure I had the right people to support that. Mm. And so the consulting firm still exists. I'm not spending a lot of time in it. I've, I've kind of handed that over. And then the offshoring business is the other, you know, the other side of the, the fence, which is all about people. Yes. And making sure we've got the right people to, to run the team.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And have you taken the, so your process or your awareness of going, I know what works into a business to make the systems and processes hum. Have you taken those approaches from your consulting business into access offshoring?
1: Yeah, totally. And I suppose there's two parts, right? A, How do we do it internally as as a firm? And I'd like to think I'm as good, but I'm way better at doing it for other people's firms than I am our own. That's always the Um, case for every business. But like even for, you know, I'm spending so much time now, particularly with accountants, because I'm going, hey, how can you actually implement this person? But where do you put them? Mm. What makes sense? How are they working? What are the reporting lines? And actually just helping them kind of restructure Mm. the way their business flows. Um, and that's probably why we're standing out at the moment in terms of an offshoring firm is because we're going, Ashley, how do you do this? How do you set this up for success? It's not just here's yes. a human, let me place them. Yeah, wow. Um, but, yeah, the whole that like business improvement never stops, right? Like I wish. <laughs> it never ends. And then you yeah. implement something and you might grow out of it and then which, mm. you, you know, so it's that constant evolve, evolving
0: How do you approach that? So I'm just thinking, you know, so I always ask selfish questions, but I think about like, you know, people dialing in who are in the business who are perhaps at that maybe, you know, there's that messy middle phase of business when you're kind of trying to get to the next level, you're scaling a little bit what is your process of actually looking into your own business or looking into somebody else's business and going, that's broken, that's broken, or we want to move to here? Like, do you have a process or a few questions you ask yourself that help with clarity?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest things is to look further than where we are right now, right? And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is that businesses will implement something that suits them now Mm. um, and they underestimate where they're going. And, yes. and you can grow out of things much quicker than you ever expect. Yes. So I think that's one of the biggest, biggest things is, okay, hold on, what does this look like in 12 months mm. or, tw- or two years or even five years? And then secondly to that, what do we need to succeed? Like what are the, what are the key metrics that the business owner needs to know whether we're ticking all the boxes? Mm. Um, And one of the things that I always do is I sit down and get a pen and go, right, let's write out what you're doing, right? And I sit with frontline staff a lot of the time and go, show me what you're doing and who else could be doing that. And when you actually write out the process of what someone does, which tends to be what they've always done because they don't know any different. Yes. (laughs) You just go, oh, my, look at this. It's turned into like this huge workflow Mm. where if you if you got a black text, you don't need half of it. Yeah. So it's just breaking it down. What what are we doing now? And then actually, what do we need to do? And then once you've got that, you can go, okay, what mm. do we need to solve this?
0: It's really interesting too, because I feel like, so, and perhaps this is more service-based businesses, but I feel like a lot of times you have staff who say, I'm maxed out, you know, can't do any more, too much, too much. And the business owners freaking out because they're like, you know, I've got to hire more staff, but I don't have the revenue to actually support it. And then they're getting themselves on a bit of a hamster wheel of, you know, the more they grow, the more they've got to hire. But this seems like a great way to actually
1: try and stop the bleed a little bit. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. And, and, and I mean, a lot of business owners don't, you know, the, this is actually quite a skill, and I talk about it a lot. It's mm. not something that's taught even at university. You know, the process mm. of system implementation and optimization and business improvement is not something that's discussed yeah um, or taught very well and so it's that process of hold on what is that staff member doing and mm. you know th- there was a, um, actually a in nice inside our firm I was speaking to one of the people in our accounts team and I said all right let's just do a recap what are you doing and I do this regularly mm. show me what you're doing and she's like oh I'm pulling this together every week and I said how long is that to taking you she's like oh about three hours I was like I've never once looked at that, <laughs> <Why would you laughs> doing that? like I don't care. Oh, wow. And so it's this stuff that you just forget that at one yeah. point it made sense, mm. but now it's irrelevant.
0: Yeah, totally. And so. I think I think it's interesting too, like one of the things you said was what is the business metrics that actually matter? And, and to your point, oh, I don't even look at that report. So that process of actually sitting down and understanding what yeah, what KPIs, what metrics actually grow the business and uh, and show the health of the business versus, you know, you can measure everything, right? You can measure totally. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metrics and use every piece of software to do it. But if you're not just focused on a couple of things, then you're typically just spending a lot of time reporting.
1: Yep. Yep, totally. And it's the same, like, you know, from an, from an offshore perspective, we when you start to grow your team, you're like, right, what is my current team doing? Where can I elevate them? Where are they doing grunt work that we don't need them to be doing? Yeah. And offshoring is a great way to kind of throw in someone at a obviously really cost-effective, as a cost-effective solution and, and help elevate yeah. this person because that's the yeah. other thing, right? People get overwhelmed by grunt work more so than anything. So if you can if you can remove that with mm. cheaper resources, A, that's helpful, but you're also now elevating and building a team of structure and,
0: yeah. Like, and and like you say, when you elevate somebody who's especially if they're in a customer facing role, they can be more strategic for that client. A hundred percent retaining more yeah. business, growing more business.
1: Yeah, opportunity cost, right? If they're stuck mm-hmm. on entering data, what aren't they doing? I feel the- like you business owners should just do this on themselves. <laughs> oh, totally. And I still, I I still like probably once a quarter I'll go, okay, where am I spending all my time?
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: you just forget, and so I'll actually—it's yeah. a pain in the butt—but I go through and I spreadsheet it and go, should I be doing that? And mm-hmm. it's—it's eye opening. Yes,
0: yeah, I do what I mine's not very. um uh, It's not a good process, but I don't know how to say that. <laughs> but it, what I do is like whenever I'm doing a job that I hate. <laughs> Yes. That's when I stop myself. I go, okay, I'm bored and I don't think this is actually the best use of my time. And I write it down. So I just have a little brain dump. Love list. it. Yeah. So it's like, it's just a feeling for me. I go, mm, this sucks. Okay. I probably yes. should be doing this, write that on a list. And then, and then Love every it. month or every quarter, I can go to that list and go, okay, <laughs> who should be doing that? So I kind yeah. of do it as I, I go rather than, you know, spending a couple of yeah. hours reflecting. That's a great Another tactic. Lot. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I guess it depends on, on your vibe. So uh question for you. So we've talked about obviously business improvement and how you add value to people's lives, but I'm interested in the, you know, going from employee inside these organizations to mm. actually doing it for yourself. What was that leap like? Did you find it a big leap or did you find that you were already like an entrepreneur inside those organisations anyway? Or what was the actual leap like going from employee to business owner for you?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So within those roles, I was definitely running the show. Yeah, cool. Right? I definitely had full ability to make decisions. Um, I definitely treated the money like it was my own, although I must admit it's much nicer when it's not your own. Um <laughs> It's less stressful. <laughs> yep. um, although it's funny, you know, and it's something that I take, I probably take for granted. But I don't have a lot of fear over money, and so mm. you know, re- that was probably the biggest thing. So I, re- I, remember the day that I decided this was I wanted to go out on my own, mm. and my grandparents had travelled over from Perth, who practically raised me. But my granddad is one of those very typical, you know, from that generation where he's safe, secure, get yes. a job, earn your money, make sure yeah. you. And so I remember going going back to my place and they were there. And I said, right, I'm done. I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'm going to go out on my own. Now's the time I finished my, I finished my master's degree. Um, what's the worst that can happen. Right. Granted's like, no, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> keep, keep working and start it up on the side. Yeah. Uh, Cause I hadn't even done that. Right. It wasn't mm. like a side gig. Mm. And I said to him, I said, I can't, Granda. I'm working 70, 80 hour weeks. Yeah. Right. I, I said, I physically don't have the time to do this as a side project um, and it was getting to the point in that, in that role that I'd probably was ready to move on to the next project anyway, mm. someone else could replace what I was doing at that point, basically. And I remember saying to him, I'm highly employable. The worst that's going to happen is I run out of savings and I'm on my own. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's what I did. I, I quit and I was pretty fortunate because I picked up a couple of clients really early, um, mm. on a retainer. So I was kind of secure, but I just did it. And I, I certainly haven't looked back. I mean, that was February. 2018. So wow. this month, yep. yeah, is my is one of the anniversaries. So, I I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. If I want to call myself that, I'm always, yes. I'm always I don't know about that word a lot of the time, but it was always yeah, it's a, a, a catch all term. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, So yeah, I, it was always going to happen. Didn't know mm. where it would evolve to, and I can't ever have one thing on at a time, which is annoying in itself. But I hear yeah. you.
0: Yeah, and so was it smooth sailing? I mean, you picked up a couple of clients early on. Did you, has your business journey just been like, all sweet. (laughs) Everything I've, everything I've learned, I've applied. It's all been good. Have there been any challenges along the way?
1: (laughs) Yes. um, Several. (laughs) Um, Okay. So at the start, it was pretty good. Uh, Of course, there were a few weeks that like I remember I was talking to my husband the other day who I met about the same time as I started. Mm. He goes, you remember, like, he goes, I remember you saying to me one week, I don't know how I'm going to pay wages in two days. Mm. And he goes, but you didn't care. Like, he's like, you had no worry. I was like, yeah, I'll just go find the money. Right. Like money's abundant. I'll go find it. It'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so there's always challenges like that where you're juggling that need to mm. deliver and make sure you've got the cash coming in and all of a sudden you're overseeing so much. Yeah. But we grew so quickly. Like I actually hired two full-time staff within the first six weeks. Sure. What? Oh, we my were just, it. Mm. It just happened. And at that point we went, right, we need to pivot because we were doing consulting across every facet of organization and so we ended up pivoting to trades in construction because there's no way yeah. everyone can be across the software systems relevant for every industry yeah so we pivoted and we did some clever marketing focused on like association levels so we were kind of doing one-to-many versus one-to-one mm-hmm. and we just built trust and built networks mm-hmm. really quickly so the consulting firm grew the biggest challenges with that as with any service industry is staff Mm. Um, because you're having to basically to get yourselves to get me out mm. of income generating, it meant I had to replace myself. because yeah. we were essentially consultants. Mm. And hiring consultants and training them your in the way that the company has identified as best practice is difficult.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so that's probably been the hardest thing. And for me from that perspective, is as I started to step out of that mm. um to focus on. On particularly the offshoring business, I think the hardest challenge for me at that point was that I underestimated how much my visionary and just overall, you know, rumbling up of the team, mm-hmm. how important that it was. So we actually lost like five staff in the space of six months of me walking out. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah so stressful. Yeah. Well, so what did you do? <laughs> uh, you go back in, you build it back up and you go, right, mm-hmm. We've we've got to think through. Um, you know, it was, the business was at a point where it didn't operationally need me. It was, yeah. but I, I didn't realize that I held so much of that visionary and pump up and, mm. you know, you really underestimate that as a founder and as the owner, people want that. They want the communication with the owner and they want, and when you start small yeah, and they're talking to you every day yes. and then all of a sudden they're not talking to you at all because you've had to put in hierarchy because you can't have 10 yeah. direct reports. Yeah um that was the biggest challenge for me so we you basically that was a a huge learning and it was like right let's build this with structure initially and yeah. actually get to a point where you're you know arms length from mm. team and you're you building the culture but at arms length yeah um so that they don't feel like they have to constantly be connected to you to succeed in their role so that was the hardest part
0: it is really interesting i um i went through something similar with scrunch in the early days where we were super scrappy, you know, everyone's on the tools and it's fun, fun, fun. We're making it up as we go along. There's not a lot of systems and processes. And I remember it getting to that breaking point of we can't yeah. just keep hiring more people. So we have to really get smarter about the way we're working. And it's like everything got serious.
1: Yes. And
0: we and so, so the fact that we wanted people to, you know, report. We wanted people to follow certain processes. We wanted people to be accountable to metrics to make sure that we were improving. Um, we lost staff too because it's like this big change, right? Totally, it's
1: totally. It's just different it's than different. what they used to. It's yeah. different. And it's and so that's probably like it's such an interesting transition when you go from startup, for lack of a better mm. word, mm. into that, hey, we're actually getting to a point where we're established. Yeah, people there's there's people that just fall over and it's to be expected totally. yeah it's oh, to be absolutely. expected but I mean, I you don't I expect it at expect the that. time yeah <laughs> exactly think I this know but, it,
0: but you're right though then you kind of just come in and go okay this is what it's got to look like now yeah. at this level of business and fortunately the new people that come in now that's all they know totally so it it's okay yeah. things break and then you put them back together in a better way
1: yeah, and it just helps for the next one, right? Like, um, access offshoring is a little easier. It's a half-service based business, but essentially, it's you know, we're mm. placing people. Yes, we're almost like a labor hire firm. Would you can you call that a product when it's people? Sure, 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 <laughs> sure. sure. Technically, we are.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So it's a little easier in that respect, and but you do you you're still at that point where mm. you need all these resources, and then you get to a point, and you go, all right, now we have growing pains. Yeah. Right we've got, we're at that point where crap, we need to change the way we do stuff because this won't sustain us. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's really Mm. interesting, isn't it? I think um, oftentimes when you start a business, you think if I just run, 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 at some point I'll hit all of these amazing milestones and I'll be able to relax. But it's just like every milestone you hit, everything breaks and you've got to start again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But that's the joy of it, right? To an extent. And for those that want to go on this path, that's, that's that's the fun of it if you can see it like that. But yes. you do definitely need to find the balance right. Like you, mm. you and I have felt it. You've you got to watch out for you. It's yeah, relentless.
0: It is. So how do you look out for you? What's your look out um, for me strategy?
1: I've had a lot. Like I so I I hit a bit of a health issue last year, and that really. Threw me into gear significantly, yeah. right? I went from high performing, hundred hour weeks without a question, with mm. two kids, and I sit on charity boards, and I like literally didn't stop. Mm. Very happily, <laughs> though, yeah. right? I, like yeah. loved it. I was like, yes, yes, run, run, run. Loved mm. that. Mm. Drive under pressure. Loved the loved the complexity of it. And then my body went laugh and <laughs> threw me on my ass for months.
0: And do so you want when
1: to you get what happened, yeah, I got mold poisoning, um, wow. which caused swelling on my brain. And um, it started off with neurological pain down the right side of my body. And then it basically just went into all these neurological issues um, poor processing, poor memory. I couldn't remember anything at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, chronic fatigue, chronic anxiety. I basically went from doing 100 hour weeks to barely being able to do an hour a day.
0: Holy shit. So you How? Go, okay, that must have been so mentally frustrating to just yeah. know what you're capable of and then have your body go
1: not interested. And you almost like I felt like my IQ had dropped, Annie. Like wow, yeah. Literally, I felt like I'd turned dumb. <laughs> like <laughs> you're like, what's happening? I used to you're be. Like, just- what is wrong with me? <laughs> but yeah, so it was just a, it was like a kick in the face. And obviously, yeah. at that point, yeah, my body was while I thought I was you know, high performing, my body was obviously exhausted. Yes. Um, and so I got sick because my body was already burnt out, right? Mm, mm. So very much acknowledged that, went through a few months of feeling sorry for myself as you would expect. Yes. And then we went, right, like I've just got to A, heal, but B, mm. work out what life means for me now. You mm. know, what if I can only ever do an hour a day? Mm, wow. Um, and so I started thinking like that. Yeah. So I really just started shifting like, okay, if I've got an hour, what is absolutely the only thing I can do today?
0: Wow. Yeah. And if
1: anything, if I got anything more than that, great. You know, that was a bonus. And so mm. for me, it was really like, okay, I've got to, a protect my mornings. Um, mm. You know, I used to train heavily. I was super fit. So that that wasn't necessarily um, mm. losing, but I think just from it, I wasn't mentally resting. Yes. Like even when I was at the gym, I was listening to audio books constantly, and I was yeah. doing high intensity training, and so everything I did was on overdrive. And so it's just wow. helped me to slow down, mm. um, definitely be more present, and just put more structure around my life. And go, hey, these are these are the things that are important to me. And I, I found yeah. it really has changed the way that I work. Yeah. Um. And I'm really intentional about what it is that I'm doing. Mm. And there are still days where I'm I. I'm now back to doing a full work day, which is great. But, you know, there's days where I'm like, oh, shit, it's frantic. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. But for the most part, I'm far more intentional.
0: Wow. That's such a huge process. And it's really, I mean, I know there's going to be so many people actually listening in going, oh, I think I'm at that burnout point. But it's, you know, so easy for people to ignore early signs. You can't. uh, yeah, and that's kind can't. of the message, right? Because if you just keep ignoring, at some point, your body, your mind, life—like something it, will kick you in the
1: ass. Yeah, it will. It mm. will absolutely. And that's what happened to me. Like no doubt, I was getting warning. I was getting a chest infection every two months, and mm. you know, my body was like seriously, slow down. Mm. But it will. It'll throw you. And I think, you know, so for one of the things I've done is I've not put email, work emails, on my phone this year. And do you um, know what? My God, no what? one's <laughs> no one's died. There's Stop been it. Stop nothing it. Nothing's <laughs> blown up. Nothing's caught fire. Oh, that's like, hilarious. And I just go, do you know what? Like it just becomes mm. a habit where you're constantly engaged and turned on by this device yeah. where you get, I was getting yes. 350 average notifications a day, not including Fuck. emails. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is ludicrous. Like, how can I perform like this? Yeah. And so, a simple thing like, I'm just not doing that anymore. I'm not having emails on my phone. If someone needs mm. to contact me, pick up the phone and call me. Otherwise, I'll check mm. my emails twice a day. Yeah. well, And it's okay.
0: Yeah. You're so right. And it's kind of like what I find too is, so I'm, I'm a habitual check my email on my phone person, but what I catch myself with is it's like, you're in this constant, like expectation, like either please let something amazing happen, like let a huge sale come in or whatever, or you're in this like, holy shit, I hope nothing's on fire. So Yeah. <laughs>
1: And yes. it's
0: like this stress, this constant stress you hold in your body attached to this device that you're going and checking and checking and checking. It's like,
1: okay, nothing, okay, nothing, okay. It's like, you're that so right. A of time. It's the dopamine here, right? Like, yeah, it's just tech. It's just the, do- it's no different to scrolling to try and find something to solve the world problems. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a big game changer for me. And I think it's just a matter of, hey, just slow down and really think about it, you know? Mm. There's, there's things that you're probably doing in your workday
0: mm. that if
1: you didn't do it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really fucking doesn't matter. Sorry, I yeah. just swore. You might have to edit that out. No,
0: um, this is this is a total sweary podcast. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I just think it's just being just be intentional, right? And I'm certainly no expert at it, but I, it's certainly taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: have you? So I mean, it's good to say to people be intentional. And I think on the surface, everyone very quickly can look at their to-do list and go, okay, those are the things that are going to move the needle. But is there anything that you, I guess, any advice on being intentional? Like if you reflect on what's really worked to grow your business or what's worked to get the most out of your people, have there been key themes of things that you as a business owner has had to prioritize to be intentional about making sure your business is a success?
1: Yeah, goal planning is huge for me. So I um I block out and do 12 week planning. I don't do annual planning. I do 12 oh, weeks cuz a year's too much for me. Yep. Um I'm looking at them now so I sit down and I go right, what am I doing for the next 12 weeks? What are the things? And I actually break them down into my values cool yes mm. Keep so going. I actually enlightened so that's so that's how I so I go right so my my core values are growth freedom connection health they are the things that are the most important to me right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so I break them down and I go right what for me to grow or for my yep. businesses to grow what are the core things that need to be done in the next 12 weeks yeah for me to continue having freedom. And it might be financial freedom. It might be, you know, freedom to do what I want when I want. Then what does that look like? Yeah. And so I go through and I actually break it down like that. And I've always got like, I know what the, you know, the future holds kind of thing or what I want it to hold. And then Mm -hmm. on a Sunday I sit down and I review those and I go, right, what do I need to do this week? And what did I do last week?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Um, But one of the biggest things, and this is where I think people often go wrong and fall over with goal setting is don't, don't overpromise or overcommit to yourself. Look at your yeah. schedule, right? Like yes. if you've got five days of back-to-back meetings, the likelihood of you ticking off seven goals in a week is <laughs> impossible, right? So then people yeah. get deflated and go, oh, screw oh, yeah. this, the fucking, um, this sucks. Yes. So I intentionally look at my week first and go, okay, like, like next mm. week I'm travelling to Perth, there's probably going to be one goal on my list mm. because I know I'm in Perth, I know I'm in back-to-backs, Um. I just physically can't fit it in. So why apply the pressure to myself if I can't do it? Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest things.
0: You're so right. Like we've got to remember that life changes, like work life, like ebbs and flows. Some weeks you're right. Like literally the last three days I've been in back-to-backs, got nothing done, but you can't beat yourself up. You kind of got to go, okay, I know Friday's my clear day. That's when I'll do X, Y, Z. You've got to remember that there's not just five free days of just
1: no, working towards those goals. Totally right. Um, so that's that's probably one of the biggest things. And the other thing for me, um, I don't know necessarily, but we, in terms of size as a business, but when we hit uh, five or six people, probably um, mm. we implemented. I don't. I think I might have told you about. We implemented traction. I think no. I was, uh, so. Traction is Jenna um, Weekman wrote it. It's just this book, and it's a really practical book around. Yeah how to set up company goals and how to sit with your team and how to structure your meetings. Um, So we set up that and that was the only thing that got us through. Cool. Yeah. So that highly recommend, yeah, yeah. Highly recommend that book. So that was what was kind of important to us and that was Mm -hmm. what gets us through. And I have personal goals on there too, because that's just as important. Right. Definitely. Um, Definitely. It's got to, there's got to be a balance. Yeah. And some weeks I'm a better mom than I am business owner and other weeks I'm killing it at both. other weeks, I'm not killing it at it either. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, doing my best. Absolutely. So, that's all we can bloody ask sometimes. Doing all my best. But just spend oh. and make it something nice. Like I take myself to a cafe or I go sit somewhere and I, you know, do st- make that reflection of your week and be yeah. honest with yourself. Like, yeah. You know, did I do it well or didn't I? And if you didn't, that's okay. But look at how and I, I think you just need that level of discipline if you want to yeah. achieve cool stuff.
0: And I do love your don't set yourself up for failure, actually reflect on the time you have. Look at the calendar. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I make sure with mine, because mine is so big and lofty, I go stop. I actually say stop looking at that big goal and look at all of the steps. So I chunk it down. I'm like, if you don't go through each one of these steps, that big goal won't happen. But yeah, just looking at that big goal, you're like, haven't hit it, haven't hit it, haven't hit it. Haven't Instead of going, oh, I made progress. One of the milestones. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, milestones. And I I don't know about you, but I don't, you know, I hit a goal and I've moved on, you know. There's no... (laughs) rewarding i'm like what? Yeah. what was that a goal i can't remember
0: i have um, just decided i'm constantly drinking champagne for something i've forgotten to reward myself for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it's my, all about that's, that's, that's yeah that's it's yeah business so isn't good. easy but it's enjoyable to connect yourself with with the right people and it's enjoyable i the part that i love the most is that i can give people so many opportunities yeah um love that
0: so I'm going to just leave you with one last question. Okay. So reflecting on your time in business, mm. any any just standout piece of advice you would give to women in business who are in the thick of it right now? <laughs> anything that's kind of, um, you know, I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of different tips and tactics today, but has there been anything, any kind of North Star for you that's, helped get you through the tough days?
1: Um, I often tell myself, you've already gone through so much pain, so Mm -hmm. why stop now, (laughs) right? Like, it's so much closer than you were yesterday. But I don't think that's very encouraging. I um, I don't know if that's a good good mindset to have, right? Like, why (laughs) give up when you've already killed yourself a few times? Um, Look, I think it's everything is possible. Yeah. Absolutely anything is possible and it comes down to what you're willing to put in. Mm. Um, but everything comes like, don't spend so much time stressing about it. Yeah. Enjoy the process. Like Mm. it's so much easier to just be stressed and constantly on edge. Um, but that's, you know, that's, I don't think that's a a nice life necessarily. So just, enjoy it. I I do not believe in work-life balance. I just believe in do what needs to be done at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think just enjoy it.
0: I love it. What better way to end a podcast? You are amazing, Tiff. Thank you so much for spending your time with the Spark community. You are awesome.
1: Thanks, thanks for having, and now we've got a dog barking. <laughs> Benefits of working from home. I love that. <laughs> thanks, Dan. That wraps this
0: episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next or or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.